Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Prince, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. day I, I texted you you are beginning to believe and you had the best response and the only thing that's been able to um, fight off my sorrows recently i said it's a little bit too much of a morpheus line for me and yeah and then i realized oh my gosh you are neo and uh i have i have taught you everything that i know and have made sure that you can you can go past me i mean this is a this is a pretty, I, if you take a second to step back and think about the investment, for the people that didn't know, my team was a total laughing stock for nine years in our fantasy league. In our league, home league. In our home yeah. league. In our home yeah. league. And then you persuaded me to put, to make good on some of the analytic knowledge that I've acquired in my work. And uh, here we are, won the league. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, and, and you won the league in a way that's um, clearly it's <laughs> it wasn't by having the better team than the other people. <laughs> yeah, you can just say it. You can just say that I had pretty close to the worst team. <laughs> but you were able to play the matchups. I mean, this was a um, head-to-head twelve-team head-to-head league, and yeah, pretty. Um, pretty expansive rosters so so we, we talked about something a long time ago and i'm just wondering now that and now that i finished in first and, and you finished in third i mean also a huge achievement for our league first time we both made it to the playoffs and we both ended up in the money we did it uh you told me <laughs> that eventually you'd let me start looking at daily fantasy <laughs> oh boy oh no <laughs> I mean, I'm just okay. I'm just wondering, right? Like our league's okay, over. Well, uh, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe, yeah. We put all the all the winnings that you made from our from our home league <laughs> into doing. You you told me. I, I distinctly remember you saying, "Okay, let's just wait until we start winning in our league, and then we can That's, do it." And I'm you're right. I know. I remember that. Here we are. Here we are. We could not ask for much better of an outcome than this. Oh, Neo, you are beginning to believe. A little bit too much belief. Maybe, like, this is the thing that made them make the second and third movies of the trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, so, Michael, continuing our interest in fantasy as a whole, how do you like the uh, Pentagon naming their um, cloud-based system Jedi? I want to know so badly who had a hand in this. I mean, is it is it just that military brass likes Star Wars much more than I ever imagined, or is this like we're trying to get it get out in front of Space Force, or like what is going on here? I think a little uh, all of the above. I mean, <laughs> there there has been a general appreciation for Star Wars since since the Reagan days. That's a good point, actually. I didn't think about that. It's, a, it's quite a hearkening back. 
All right, you want to talk about Jack? I do. We watched episodes one and two of season five. Uh, I think I'd read a I'd read a couple like overview of the season and people talking about how it was a little bit darker, and so I think I was actually pleasantly surprised that it was not as dark as I thought it was going to be. No, both of them are um, same old kind of quirky humor and um, interesting plot devices. I did like the stork, the, the s- adoption <laughs> the, the stork was That's great. Perfect. There was I um my actually one of my favorite moments was the total self awareness in in the episode one where he points to where the clock is on your computer while talking yeah. about clocks. <laughs> Like, I know how you're watching this. <laughs> right, you're watching it on your computer. Yeah, no, exactly. That's pretty good. And the dial-up sound when they went to the, to the, what time is it? That's website. right. Man, that it, it is such a great point, though. Like, how many internet companies are out there that are doing, like, really stupid, mundane things that there are already solutions for? <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked seeing all the characters at the party in episode two. Yep. Uh, J.D. Salinger is my one of my favorites. <laughs> Still one of your favorites. Always happy to see him. <laughs> yeah. Really good one. All right. This week on the pod, we're going to talk about something, an emergency algorithm club that we did last Friday. You allowed me to break glass in case of emergency on doing a Monte Carlo sim- simulation. And so we did that to try and help me decide who to start at a point that was pretty fraught in my playoff matchup. So the first half, we're going to discuss the problem. The second half, we're going to discuss what we actually learned from the model. So here we go. We knocked out a key project this past Friday. Uh, Suddenly, I realized I had four starts, and I didn't know who, if anyone, to start. And I really have to thank you for this one in terms of motivation. So I thought we'd just walk through a little play-by-play of how we got to the point where I decided that I was comfortable starting Matt Boyd against Cleveland. You know, I texted you in the morning like, man, I'm really struggling with who I'm going to start today. I really don't want to lose ERA and whip, but I need to protect K's. And and you said, well, definitely not Matt Boyd against Cleveland. That's not going to be a good situation. And I was pretty convinced but then I was a little worried about actually actually holding K's. And so you said, all right, just sit down. We're going to do this right now. Yeah, and we sort of got um, pretty quick into more and more depth. <laughs> we, uh, we did. You did a great job of hemming me in on the problem, too. So the, the basic prompt is we wanted to have confidence intervals on how many earned runs, what the whip, what the K's, and how many innings we could reasonably expect from Matt Boyd against Cleveland. Unfortunately, Matt Boyd is a very small sample size against Cleveland, and neither one looked particularly good. So the question is, do we trust that, or can we bolster this in some way using priors? Right, and this is the thing about analytics, is that as soon as you you hit a small sample, you're like, well... How do I make this more involved? <laughs> How can I make this model more involved? And it, the, the next step was clearly like, well, we want to know how much he blows up in general. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, but if we know how much he blows up in general, we want to know how often 
Cleveland blows up pitchers in general. Okay. Well, but then if we know pitchers in general, what we really want to know is how often do they blow up pitchers like Matt Boyd in general? So this quickly becomes a a um, very, very complicated, well, yeah, complicated problem because we just had tons of different layers to it. To just try to understand these, as you said, confidence intervals on um, what a Matt Boyd outcome could be. So you can have, a, a, you can be as educated as possible in deciding whether or not to start. And then the question comes back of, well, if we're going to do this for Matt Boyd, we really want to know for everybody that you have the potential to start, what are their confidence intervals? So we can say, is Matt Boyd a better start than um, your other players? Zach Grinke. Right. Dallas Keuchel. Gio Gonzalez. <laughs> Don't laugh at him. He started for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Edwin Jackson. I mean, I, I have some. I had some interesting characters. <laughs> I, you had you had no start that was clearly. I am going to start this player against this team. There is no Clayton Kershaw versus Miami. That's right. Start. There was no anybody versus Baltimore. Anybody versus Baltimore, <laughs> or anybody versus the Mets. That's right. Start. So I part of the key thing to me here is not that the model is the confidence intervals, the, the idea that the model didn't tell me you have to start this person, but this is something where the model gives you more information and then you can make your own managerial decision based on that. Like, am I, am I comfortable taking X risk? Absolutely. So this is not the model that we're creating in this, in, in a broader sense, is actually a decision support system Ooh. in that it, it comes up with um, the information that you need to make your decision. Um, and decision support systems are used across a lot of different fields. And the idea isn't to, um, to tell you exactly what to do. It's to give you enough information for the different options that you have, what it could look like. That's right. And this, to, this is a very interesting problem to me in part because it's a challenging data set to get a hold of. Like this is not something that you can just go on ESPN and punch in, punch in something like this and find the answer. You know, it's not even straightforward to find out how many runs Cleveland scores against starters. Right, exactly. No, you. we needed to do a bunch of processing, querying, essentially. It's really queer, a bunch of really advanced queries to get the data that we needed. That's right. And I want to, I mean, I want to acknowledge the fact that this would not have even been possible before StatCast, basically. I mean, the mm -hmm. only reason that I'm able to do this is because there's an, there is a log of every pitch in, in games now mm -hmm. that we can then sum over or slice whatever which way we want uh, but yeah. previously we wouldn't have even had access to that it would not have been possible to get this data set in this automated fashion right it would have been yeah it would have been really hard to get game results i think that i i was trying to think of how we could do it through fan graphs i think that we probably could have gotten um, some of that, but it also would have been really tough. Yeah, Fangraphs has a pretty sophisticated filtering system 
in the sense that I think that if we had access to their back end, we would be able to do this. <laughs> so really, I wasn't totally sold that I wanted to spend my Friday morning working on this until you said, well, why don't you just Monte Carlo the problem? And that's just music to my ears. And I am just here for the Monte Carlo every single time. So right after the break, we'll tell you what Monte Carlo is and why I love it so much. Our home league is over, which means that we are just invested in TGFBI until the end of the season, and then we just get to enjoy watching postseason baseball. Here's Eric's commentary on what I should expect next year. So I think, I think to me, the craziest is that I think there's a non-zero chance that I have the worst keepers going into next year. You do. Like, you're not going to keep uh, what is whatever his face, the closer. Yeah, I am. What? Who else am I going to keep? Well, it, I guess that's right. And if you keep a closer, you're already asking for trouble, because that's like a perfect first-round pick. So I'm actually going to ask you to introduce Monte Carlo just so that I don't gush too hard. Okay, yeah. Um, Monte Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> Monte Carlo is a um, Monte Carlo is an algorithm that's used to um, simulate uh, potential outcomes, and Monte Carlo is done to generally simulate. Um, we expect that we're going to fall within these distributions, and then you can look at it statistically and say, okay, well, here's a one sigma result based on the Monte Carlos, and we're pretty confident in that result occurring. Yeah, so a big chunk of this is based, it revolves around some amount of noise injection. So you have, you have uncert, you have a number and you have uncertainty, and you, you basically want to fill out the distribution using that uncertainty. And in this case, we actually have the number and the uncertainty for we used five different measurements when we were putting this together. Wasn't it four different measures? Um, I separated hits and walks, but oh, interesting. Um, but I, I mean, I didn't end wow. up using them separated. But so okay. ultimately, we wanted to know earned runs, walks plus hits, innings, and strikeouts. We're interested in in getting a distribution of expected outcomes from that. And so we have we have um, a data set. We have basically what you what you end up with is for any given pitcher. If you wanted to do this on their expected outcomes, you would take all of the games that they've pitched so far this year and log the the innings, the hits, the walks, the Ks, and the strikeouts, and put those all together, and then randomly draw from them and construct these false starts these model starts that look sort of like a start that matt boyd could have had during the season yeah, but exactly it it may it may or may not correspond to an exact start that he did have this year right exactly so you're saying so you draw from um matt boyd had this number this many innings in every single start and then you randomly draw from those that's right and then you um say he had this number of k's in every single start randomly draw from those this number of earned runs in each start randomly draw from those you create a thousand of those random um those random starts to get this distribution that's right the premise is that there's some underlying function that describes 
every Matt Boyd start. Like, mm-hmm. if you actually could have Matt Boyd start a thousand games, this is what you would expect it to look like. We don't actually have Matt Boyd starting a thousand games, so we only have the 30 games or so that he started this year. So we have to try and figure out what distributions are consistent with Matt Boyd's 30 starts this year. Right. And so what's great about this is it not only does it, um, <laughs> not only does it then create these distributions of the Matt Boydness, but it also helps to create the distributions of everything else. <laughs> the fielding. What, what is the fielding like? What is the uh, garden hire uh, um, decision to pull like? You know, what is, um, what is the weather like that creates these thousand different versions? And then you can say, okay, this is, this is generally what a map boy start is, which is great. And then, as we said, we went deeper because <laughs> Matt Boyd isn't just starting against, um, you know, computer simulation. Matt Boyd is starting against, he was starting against the Astros. No, the, the Indians. Indians right? Yeah. He's, so he's not just starting against replacement level average team he's starting against what we know to be one of the best teams in baseball (laughs) yeah exactly so we then did the same thing in the opposite direction and said okay this is what cleveland um (laughs) cleveland against cleveland hitters against starters looks like but we decided to take it a little bit deeper right right mike that's right because matt boyd is not just random replacement level pitcher he's Somewhere in the distribution of pitchers, we I think we both think that he's a little bit on the higher end, but how high up does he actually go? Right. Matt Boyd, depending on the fantasy league, is a starter or he's a borderline starter across every um, baseball, fantasy baseball league. So what we decided to do was, rather than say, this is what Houston does against starters, we said, this is what Houston does against Matt Boyd-style starters. What Mike and I did was look at this and create clusters for uh, all of the different pitchers in the MLB. This is just all coming together. This whole season is beautiful. so crazy. Yeah, so we create these clusters. So we have... Here are the aces. Duh. These are the guys who you, who do really well against um, all their competition. Then we have the second tier. These are the guys who strike out a lot of players, but definitely have a little bit higher higher whips and um, you know have not quite as decent win numbers. And then you have the third tier, which and which Matt Boyd ended up being and pretty reliably was these are the guys who fill out your fantasy roster. <laughs> well, as a side note, the vast majority of my pitchers fall into this third category. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so it's very interesting. So then we could say, okay, so this is the cluster. These are all the players in this tier three, not tier three necessarily, but um, cluster three of fantasy starters because they're startable for fan- some fantasy players. But if you were trying to get ERA and whip, you would not start these players. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to get um, K's and wins, you are going to start these players. Because um, there was one other cluster that might have been more reliable for ERA and, and WIP, but had very, very um, depressed K's. Anyways, so we see Mike then ran, ran with these clusters and said, okay, so here are all the Houston starts against cluster three pitchers. 
and then you created the, the Monte Carlo distribution. How did they um, keep on saying the Astros? I mean, the Indians. Um, I mean, they're basically how did the they're Indians? more or less interchangeable, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, it's an yeah. So how did slip the Indians? Here. How did the Indians do against those? So those against Matt Boyd style pitchers, they do worse than their overall expected outcome. So part of the thing that freaked me out when we when we looked at this originally was that if you just ask how many runs Cleveland scores against a starter, just total any any starter, the most typical number is four runs, which is Oof. bad for me. That would have been that, that's yeah, like in six ish. Yeah, in six ish innings, you just can't. You know, you you can't do that. And the plus minus was one on this. So, like, there's a 60% or there's, you know, there's a 30% chance that it's five runs. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. that that's going to hurt a lot. So the question is, okay, if you, if how many, where does the distribution for Matt Boyd style pitchers fall against this? Because I think when you recommended to me, like, do not start Matt Boyd, you were thinking about the total distribution of Indians runs scored against them. And, like, that's dangerous. Okay. Matt Boyd style starters, though, turn out to be worth almost a full run. So the peak of the distribution is pretty close to three earned runs. And and the kicker here is that the distribution is much tighter. So your the tail to the high levels is much less likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's, that's really key. That's really helpful in this decision-making process. Because yes. even and part of your concern with four is not just that it's four. Four is four leads to five. Five leads to six. Six leads to suffering. <laughs> I don't know. Six might already be suffering, but yes. I uh, and and then the thing was balancing this against. So the decision making process for me came in when I looked at the cumulative distribution of strikeouts that you could expect also. And so right. I look at this and think, okay, over that start, let's say that Matt Boyd does give up four runs. I have some runs, or three runs. I have some runs to play with. I can tolerate three runs, but what is the benefit that I get from this? What is the strikeout? Because I'm trying to get strikeouts. That's the real reason that I'm putting him out there. What is the benefit that I get from this? I don't know that you've said this enough. Was here, The situation was that you needed to kind of ace your pitching stats. And that you were behind in case and needed to make up probably three-ish starts in case. Yes. And you had some room to play around with in ERA and WHIP. And you would have liked to have won wins, but there was no way in heck that you were going <laughs> to catch up in wins. So really it was down to those three categories. You, you really wanted to add K's so that you'd be able to um, be more... <laughs> resilient in um, your other that's that's exactly yeah right. in your pitching and so the, the kicker was once I made this plot for Matt Boyd uh, made a made a cumulative distribution for the expected number of strikeouts that Matt Boyd has against Cleveland that was centered on four with a plus minus of of two so I could reasonably expect to get up to six strikeouts from him and that sealed the deal okay I need to start Matt Boyd. The cost that I could pay in theory of having three earned runs is is vastly outweighed by these Ks that I need. Yeah. And then we did that for all of my pitchers. And it turned out that um, the best situation once I combined all of the information that we had was for me to start everybody. Right. And I think that this is a lot of times when I've done similar exercises, what you end up finding is by combining 
by aggregating up the uncertainties, you kind of get a more um, a more resilient result. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I've always been in the in the camp of you need to have good players on your team so you can just always <laughs> start them because you want to have enough starts that um, you're not faced with these confidence and for interval problems where uh, yeah. one outlier start ends up killing great the you know low number of starts you have from all your other pitchers you're right you you want to be able to sort of beat down the uncertainty that you have over starting different different guys um if you think that because nobody's ever going to pick perfectly know perfectly when a pitcher is going to blow up in the absence of that information it does seem best to to look at these distributions and think, okay, well, here's the mean. So the best way to get to the mean, central limit theorem, start as many people as you can exactly. to push down to the mean. And so having as many guys that give you that low mean or converge to a mean that you're comfortable with is key. And so let's let's wrap this sucker up. What did uh, how, how did Matt Boyd perform? Oh, Matt Boyd was just amazing he uh i was texting you know live texting you during this because he he's just blowing past the the k's and so i'm reading off to you like where he is on the cumulative distribution <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is a this is a 10 percent expected outcome this is a five percent expected outcome so he ended up with with a, a less than what a less than one percent expected outcome against on the case on the k side and while being well, I guess he was within 30% on the earned runs because he got two. That's right. Right. So he was, you know, with within the a normal the normal distribution of one sigma outcome of the two sigma outcome. Yeah. It was a... Yeah, it was a little over one sigma outcome. So we can round up and call it a two sigma outcome here. Yeah. I guess that's a round up. I always I get a little bit confused there, but yeah, so it's within the two sigma realm. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so the model, and I will say that you know we've we've harped on this Matt Boyd example, but the model worked out for the other starts that I had as well. As well, so in aggregate, it ended up you ended up falling within the expected range. That's absolutely right. So I feel I feel great about that. This was full on money ball action for us, and uh, we might have to to explore this a bunch more next year. Absolutely. All right, you want to wrap this sucker up? I mean, I do, but you want to talk about the Premier League, and uh, both of our teams are headed in the wrong direction. Yeah, so <laughs> I, before the season, I said I, I made my bold prediction, which Mike thought wasn't that bold, was that Fulham was going to stay up. And right now they're out of the relegation zone, but... Come on, Fulham. Okay, well, Fulham has a win, unlike Cardiff City. Oh, they're going right back down. Well, Cardiff City is currently not set to be relegated, but, you know. <laughs> we're, I'm going to assume West Ham, with all their Ellen John money, are going to be able to oh, yeah. get out of there. We're five, we're five matches in. Huddersfield Town, Newcastle United, and Burnley are the ones that would be sent down if it, you know, randomly ended today. That's like not a totally unexpected outcome anyway. No, no, that's kind of to be expected. Who knew that Burnley was going to stay up last year? Yeah. Well, this was this was the bottom of the table to <laughs> fantasy tools. Premier League. I just want to I just want to share one frustration, which is 
the the Minnesota kicker. I don't know what's going to happen, but like you can't you can't do that to Minnesota. Like we can't have a bad kicker. We just can't. We just can't. Well, Bailey's going to be is one of the best kickers ever, but he's been in I mean, he's been in Dallas, pretty cushy place to kick. So That is it. Well, I mean, it's not like they're outdoors <laughs> this year. The Vikings at home. You have two really hard outdoor matchups every year. Yeah. Yes, that is true. And I mean, yeah, I will, I will allow that Mason Crosby, we're talking about Green Bay versus the Vikings and Carlson's three, three missed field goals in that game. Mason Crosby. Fireable offense, apparently. Mason Crosby did also miss one, so it's understandable. Like Lambeau outside, a little tough, but we just can't do that. This is also crazy because the Vikings traded up to get Carlson. For him, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just. Just didn't have enough a long enough leash. Uh, unbelievable. He's going to get signed somewhere and just proceed to dominate the league, probably. Probably. It'll probably be a um, Blake Trinan kind of situation. Oh, for sure. Either way, a 29-29 tie. First time that that score has ever happened, by the way. It's a, it's a very random score to tie on. Weird score. And as well, that's tie number two this year. I know, I know. The the, the overtime rules, reducing it to 10 minutes, might, it did, it makes might be biting them this year. It, well, yeah, it makes sense, but it's also, we're going to see a lot more ties, kind of like in, in the Premier League. Very interesting, though. I mean... If I was a if I was a modeler, I would say phew, 16, 17 ties, right? Seventeen ties this season. Yeah, I think so. For forecasted for. Should we go bet on that? <laughs> I'm feeling feeling a little excited about betting on things right now. Yeah, you, you do seem <laughs> to be that way. All right. Well, that about brings us to the review session. Dark Knight. I am so glad that we watched this after Inception. Very, very necessary this is a good movie it's a good movie i i think i i got swept away at like minute 30 like wait this is a good movie (laughs) man it just starts it starts so fast and it just keeps on going that first scene is so awesome and yeah i don't really get out of it until um like I was watching it and I was like totally in it until the point where there's like the um they're on the ferries. Yes. As soon as the ferry stuff starts, it's like, okay, wait, how much longer do I have in this movie? Oh my god. It does it does very quickly Drag. slow down then. Yeah. Which is which is so interesting. I mean, but this this movie, I was thinking about this, this movie is like an ent- could be an entire season of TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it would be. It packs so much into these, admittedly, two and a half hours. And also, kind of it on the um, comic book side. I I think that this was the high watermark. Oh, this is absolutely the high watermark. 2008. Bummer. (laughs) Yeah, just hit the right confluence of the serious um, comic book movie and, like, the technology and, like, the interest, and the only thing that was happening at that time that I did not like is how long movies were. That's right. That was a that was a poor trend. But, the yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the technology, because I think that this was... I imagine in another 10 years this will look very outdated, but even watching it now, 
it didn't feel too too outdated no just the cell phone the t9 word on well, the cell phones was that was a little weird but hilarious yeah. burner phone <laughs> Yeah, no, this was a great movie, and I'm glad that oh, we were able to do one comic book movie. That's it. That's right. Only one, but we did it. Um, let's get back to let's get back to a classic. Oh here. boy, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. I man, that's a basically a left field choice, but I love it. <laughs> All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.